All right. Well, Happy New Year, Hillcrest. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Strinan, and I'm on staff here at Hillcrest. I work primarily with our students. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Love working with our students. I, I got to say, Voltage, I got the privilege of taking in the all-nighter. It's my one intentional all-nighter every year is Voltage. I had an absolute blast. My brother brought like 10 people from kind of like the Grenfell Whitewood area. And so it was awesome having my brother and a bunch of my nephews here. Uh, they even gave me a confetti cannon to launch off at New Year's. It was awesome. I'm telling you, if, you, if you've been wandering around the fence about volunteering at Voltage, like, don't miss out next year. Make sure you sign up early to help out. It's an incredible event to be a part of. And if you're, you know, if the all-nighter is a little bit intimidating to you or whatever, I always keep a couple of air mattresses and a few pillows in my office. And, you know, my brother was in there napping from about 12.30 till about 3. And, like, it's fine. We can take shifts. It's great. Well, we'll look after you. It's great. But don't miss out. This morning, uh, we have a real treat. Um, I actually, I was, I was catching up with him just before the service. Um, ben Costomo is here, and he's going to share uh, with us this morning. And I, I guess it's been, I had to check with Ben, but it had been about a year and a half since we've uh, had Ben uh, share with us. And Ben is actually the executive director of United Youth Outreach. And what they are is they are sort of, I like, uh, Ben will correct me and actually give, tell you a little bit more about what they are, but I always have seen them sort of as like an umbrella organization uh, equipping leaders and their ministries about taking the gospel to youth. And so they provide a lot of support and they're actually key, a key organization in sort of raising up missional leaders to take the gospel to youth. So they're an incredible organization and I know that some of you already partner with them. Um, and so we're really blessed to get to hear from Ben this morning. So Ben, I'm going to invite you up. But one other thing, as Ben comes up, give him a round of applause as he comes. One of the things that I'm incredibly grateful uh, to Ben for is that every time that I hear him share uh, from the Word of God or even share his stories, uh, there, is, there is an element of the Spirit's work in that moment of impartation. And I believe that what Ben is going to share with us this morning as he shares his heart, tells us a little bit about United and then preaches a message to us, can you be open, Hillcrest, to an impartation? One of the things that has always amazed me about Ben in the stories that he's told is the way that he is open to the Holy Spirit showing up in the common place. And Ben has got a ton of stories to tell. And lots of them are just, he's just going about his day and all of a sudden he senses the Spirit saying something or doing something or an opportunity opens up and he just responds with a, okay, yes, Lord in this moment. And I love it because it inspires me because I believe that that's how the Holy Spirit wants to work in each and every one of our lives. Would you pray with me as we pray for Ben and our time this morning in the Word? Jesus, we love you. All of this is for you. It is so, so good for your people to gather and to praise and to worship your name. And Jesus, we thank you for Ben. We thank you for the ministry that he leads. We thank you that he's here uh, with his wife Val here with us this morning uh, to share your words and your heart uh, today. And so God, I ask, I ask that we as Hillcrest, as a church, as a congregation, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we would have open hearts to receive what it is that you want to do, what you want to say, what you want to challenge in our own lives. God, all for the purpose of reaching more people with the good news of Jesus and for giving glory to your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Ben, be blessed as you lead and share with us this morning. Thank you so much. 
Well, it's, I'm always appreciative when I can come and speak in front of a church. Uh, we've been really blessed by Hillcrest. For many years, you have partnered with us with our Street Invaders program, hosting praise parties, hosting teams. Uh, I know this church has been a supporter of us uh, for many years as well, and that's, that's been a huge, huge blessing to us. So I'm just going to quickly talk to you about United Youth Outreach, but even before I was opening this up, there's a scripture that just popped into my head, and that was, freely you've received, freely give. And the thing about the gospel that's so incredible is that it is given to us freely. And it's not just this moment of salvation, but the the thing about the gospel is that it's transforming our lives from the moment that we hear it and we believe it and we receive it. And it continues to change us. And if we let it, it will change the people around us. So our vision is to see the youth of Canada reach with the gospel. And how we do that is we identify, we equip, empower, and we send missional leaders who will impact today's youth with the gospel. Most of our work has been in Western Canada. We've done a few things in Eastern Canada and Central Canada, and we're starting to look at how we can get back into those places. We were able to successfully have a mission into New Brunswick, uh, last year, and I had taken our Street Invaders new director, Pete Pistorius, with me to um, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island in May so that we could start getting ready for how we would uh, be doing mission in that part of Canada as well. Our whole goal is that we can help empower your vision and your calling to breathe hope to a lost world. So wherever we're working, we're always wanting to help churches, youth ministries, youth leaders, basically Canadian missionaries, and that might be a little offensive to some people, but if you go into some of the towns and communities in this country, you may see a church in that town, but when you walk through the doors, you will not see many young people. And so there's a huge need for Canadian missions to the youth of this nation. So I'm just going to pop to the next slide. What we love doing at United is working with youth and youth leaders to help them start their ministry journey. Uh, we're developing ministry strategies for regions, uh, for reaching Canada region by region. And we're starting to notice that there's areas where there's high density of youth in Canada. Sometimes it may not be a uh, large community, but there's a high density of youth because the kids are getting bussed in for schools into those places. And often there's very little gospel outreach in those places. So we're looking to see how can we partner with churches, how can we send in teams, how can we start preaching the gospel. So November, uh, for Remembrance Day, I took a team of five of us to Athabasca in northern Alberta, and uh, a sister church of ACOP, one of the ACOP churches there, the Aspen Ridge Christian Fellowship, they've just started a youth group. They had a tiny little youth group of eight, and I said, we'd love to come, we want to speak in your youth ministry, maybe invite some of the other youth in town to come out, and we want to minister to your church. And uh, so they graciously had us come in, and they said, we don't know what to expect. We think there's just a few kids that will show up. Fifty kids showed up. Three kids gave their hearts to the Lord. And we had kids just flooding the altar so that they could step out in faith and start to grow. And so we're just so excited about what God's doing. Athabasca is a town of about 2,800 people. Their daytime population is sitting around 1,400 minors because they're busting them in for school. It's an incredible place. There's other towns like that all over Canada that need the gospel desperately. 
United is a ministry developer, and so we give covering, collaborative structure, and tools to teams so they can be empowered, developed, and released to fulfill Christ's vision. So our strength has really been in leadership recognition and empowerment, and then really challenging them to share the gospel. We'll go to the next slide. We really help bring fresh focus and perspective to ministries by consulting to shape outward-facing youth and evangelism ministries. And there's just something that happens when you're willing to step out and share your faith. We often take people out on evangelism journeys, even in Calgary, and people show up. And when people show up and people are willing to go out and share, the Holy Spirit shows up. And there's just endless stories of the things that God has done and the way he's connected people as they share their faith. The next slide just shows the ministries that we're working with right now. We, as an umbrella or as a ministry incubator, often have ministries that come, and then as they develop and become strong and healthy, they then move to becoming their own um, ministry and charity. So we do have a few that are looking to leave us right now. Handle with Care uh, will be exiting United. They've been working with Children's and Youth Ministry, um, and Inspire Our Nation uh, has been doing an incredible work with youth ministry here in Saskatchewan especially. They're starting to branch into Manitoba as well. And so we're really proud of these ministries and the work they've done. I think Inspire Our Nation reached almost 1,500 kids. Just that ministry alone reached 1,500 kids um, this past year in Saskatchewan mostly. And uh, they saw a lot of salvations. They were on um, in Makwa and Atakakoop. And I believe that uh, they saw... About 26 kids get saved in Makwa. They've done an incredible work working with that community, working with the kids in that community, and then they went, they, they brought them out to their leadership training, to their conferences, and then they went on to the reserve, spent time building relationships with families, and then they had a special day, a special celebration day that the chief had given them permission to be part of, and they presented that gospel on that day, and that was 26 people responded to Jesus on the reserve that day. So we're just really just amazed at what God's done through these ministries. Uh, Val and I have been directing Love on Fire since 2012. Um, the uh, globe with the crown on it is Sent Ministries. That's in the Calgary area, and they're reaching primarily into the black communities. They're really challenging people to share their faith. Uh, the inside, the skateboard ministry in Central Southern Cal uh, Calgary, um, oh, sorry, the, in the Calgary area, but Central Southern Alberta, and they do a little bit of ministry into Mexico as well. Street Invaders, I think, is very well known by this church, but our missions, youth missions program, uh, used to be a summer missions program, but we've been running fall events, we've been running spring events, and there's just amazing stories as kids step up to learn how to share their faith, are sent on mission across Canada and across the world, and there's just testimony after testimony of how God broke through in kids' lives, how they experience the Holy Spirit, how they see people get healed, how they see people get saved as they share their stories and as they share Jesus with others. So we're excited about Street Invaders happening in the next um, year we'll be running our three Western Canadian pro uh, provincial programs, BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan, and uh, we are planning to uh, be working into New Brunswick with a, with a team again this year as well. All right, um, the equipping program, which is which is more what United's sweet spot is. This is where we're training youth and children's workers. Uh, for ministry, and Pathways is actually linked to this equipping program, and this is something new that we're doing, and we're excited about it because we really want to have people who can come in 
and intern under us and then train to become resident missionaries. And so as they work with us, we'll be preparing them to go into communities where they can reach out to um, minister with youth and children's work and, uh, and begin to see their ministry grow and then begin to see those outreaches become more sustainable. So that's the goal for that. What we are able to offer to churches is our youth and youth leader equipping and training uh, consultations. Uh, the Street Invaders is readily available to, to churches all the time. And then Pathways, which is in process, but we have a team that's coming together and we have begun to see some, some uh, positive fruit. So even our visit to Athabasca was part of the Pathways mission and we're just excited what God is doing with that. So uh, with Pathways, I, t- I talked about that, but if you just look at this very last slide, it's about we're just talking about a ministry greenhouse. If you want to just skip to two more slides. You can imagine Pathways Ministry like a ministry incubator or a greenhouse to create a simulated environment so it allows for young plants to grow and then be planted in the natural environment in the right season. As we talked about the need for missionaries in Canada, we think of United really as being a missions agency for Canadian missions. And we have places where it's difficult and I understand this my wife and I worked in northern Canada for a little over six years in Tumbler Ridge BC we did we pastored a church we did youth ministry and we both were paramedics to pay the bills so that we could live there and do the work that God had called us to do before that I had been living in Hudson's Hope BC this is in the northern third of the province very isolated community and when I walked into that town and they said your associate pastor in this church your main portfolio is to reach the youth of this community and it didn't take me very long to realize there were no youth in any of the churches in that town and I thought how do we start what do we do but you know there's something powerful about prayer and engagement with people with the Word of God where God breaks through and he softens hardened hearts. It took us a year and a half before we saw any significant breakthrough in that community. There had been um, blessing. We got a youth center started. We renovated this facility, and it was amazing. We had people funding that. And there was lots of kids running around doing activities. But when we talked about Jesus, they would walk out the door. And it was a tough year, my first year in that community. But you know, the Lord sent people to work with us. And as we continued in prayer, something broke. There was a day when we had a Life Force team that was coming similar to what we're we're wanting to do with Pathways. But we had a Life Force team that came into Tumblr, uh, Hudson's Hope, sorry. And that night we had about 40 kids in the youth center. And the different people were getting up from the Life Force team, sharing stories of what Jesus had done in their life just sharing things that God had dropped into their heart to tell the kids that day. Very short, two-minute things. And kids were asking questions. They were asking tough questions. Like, where is God when people are hurting you? When people who know better are hurting you? Or where is God when this world is crumbling and falling apart? You know, the Lord gave incredible wisdom in the answers that were given in that moment. And all of a sudden, from the back of the room, this 12-year-old boy shot up his hand and he said, okay, I believe in Jesus. He said, I know that there's kids in this room. You believe in Jesus or you want to. He said, put up your hand. And I couldn't believe it because there was about 12 or 13 hands that just popped up in that room. 
And the Holy Spirit said, they're coming now. So I got up literally five minutes later and I said, I want to let you know we're going to have God talk start on Tuesday night. Joseph, who was my intern, is going to be teaching you guys how to do, how to connect with God through worship, through singing. We're going to teach you how to pray. We're going to teach you how to read the word of God. We're going to teach you how to connect with Jesus. And the kids started coming. And we took them to conferences. They were coming back. They started telling people about Jesus in their school. More kids got saved. God started to turn something around in a town that had felt so hard and so hopeless. Canada needs this desperately, not just our small communities, but all of our communities and the little sections of our communities where people are divided against each other and are being separated by thoughts or race or religion or whatever it is. Canada desperately needs to know that Jesus cares, that he loves, that he saves. God has a heart for our nation. He has a heart for the youth of our nation, for the young adults of our nation, for the children of our nation. And it is necessary and imperative that not only do they experience the love of Jesus through the message of the gospel being displayed in our lives with kindness and grace, but that they hear the message of Jesus because it is that message that changes lives forever. We're going to switch... the, the presentation here because I'm going to jump into my sermon here right now. But I want to encourage you. God has your kids high priority, high priority in his heart. He has your kids as a very high priority. God has the kids of Moose Jaw as a high priority. Very impressed by that video, by the way. And I, I know a little bit of about the the story of Joe's place, and just incredible to see what God did here this past week. That's amazing. That's awesome that you guys are investing into the youth and into the message of the gospel for youth in this city. So thank you guys for doing that. All right, so let's let's take a second and uh, switch gears, and we're going to just jump into the word here now. So the title of my message is called Greater Than. And in my life, I have experienced those greater than moments. Uh, Just recently, um, Val and I have had um, what we know is the beginning of an incredible answer to prayer in our lives. Our son, Josiah, during COVID, uh, after they sent the kids home and they were trying to do Zoom calls and stuff, we started to notice that something wasn't quite right And he would lock, and he would start screaming, and we thought he was having a nervous breakdown or some kind of mental health issue. But then we were like, it doesn't seem right, and it wasn't happening very frequently, but it happened once, and then it happened another time a week later. And then we noticed that it was starting to speed up. We have some very good friends of ours who've been missionaries for years, and they have a um, health background as well. And so we sat down and we talked with him. We said, we're we're, we're just trying to figure out what we need to do here with our son because something's wrong. And so as we kind of talked about it and talked it through, we went and saw our our doctor because we figured there was a neurological problem. And sure enough, he was diagnosed with epilepsy within a few days. And so they gave him medication. And as he was taking the medication, it got worse. And so by the time we had got from March into 
June, he was usually having three to four, sometimes five seizures a day. And uh, he wasn't having what people would typically call a grand mal seizure. Typically, he just would lock, and then he would start screaming. But it was wiping him out, and he would literally do his homework and then just go and lay on the couch. And the kid we had known, who just loved to do all these different things, who's creative with music things on the computer, he literally was not touching the stuff that he loved and enjoyed to do. And so we were praying for a breakthrough. Um, they switched his meds, and uh, uh, by August, the um, seizures had disappeared. But just before that had happened, he said, I want to get baptized. And we said, okay. So he got baptized on his 13th birthday, which is July 8th. And he, I think he had six seizures the day before. July 8th, he had zero. July 9th, I think he had four or five. But it, we just, we didn't have days without seizures for a long time. But there was that day when he got baptized and God showed up. Sorry, just give me a second. Uh, once they switched the meds, uh, the seizures just pretty much evaporated. And so the last three years, we've been praying because we, we were like, God, you can not only change this situation in our kid's life, but you can, you can heal him. And so a year ago, well, I guess it would be a year and a half ago, uh, he was starting to want to get his learner's license. And it's complicated when you have epilepsy. So he went back to Children's Hospital in Calgary, <clears throat> and they gave an EEG. And so when we came back for the reading, they said, we've noticed that the epilepsy or the unusual brain activity seems to be decreasing. We think it's about 30%. And so we were like, thank you. Thank you, God, because we're seeing improvement. And uh, he had been seizure-free, so that was really good. And so then uh, just this past fall, uh, he went and passed his learners and so we were like we need to go back to the doctor so we can get permission for him to start driving so they we go back and they said we're ordering another EEG and they did another EEG and I went in in October with him for the reading and I didn't understand the doctor properly at first because he said we're, we're not seeing anything and I said what do you mean he said we're not seeing any of the signs of epilepsy any longer and, uh, like, I was like, what? And so they've, they've given us permission to start um, weaning him off of the meds. And they said sometimes the, coming off the meds itself can cause seizures. Um, sometimes there's things we don't know, we don't see. And so we began to take him off his meds here in the past. Uh, I think we started in October. And ironically, he's not allowed to drive because <laughs> of the the medical process. So he, he, he got to drive just for a couple weeks. Um, and so we, we were just about down to zero on the meds. And he, he said, I feel something funny. And so the doctor said, we're putting a pause on that. And so they've, we've just kept him on a very super low dose. We're just a little over a third of what he was taking. And things have been really, really stable. But 
I remember when I was walking out the door of the, the uh, children's hospital, and I just thought, God, you blow my mind. Because the things that we pray for, we need to pray for asking, believing that he will do them. And I have confidence that we are experiencing and walking into God's healing touch in our kid's life. And that's not just our story, but it's my son's story too. And that's confidence that God's giving him as well. To know that Jesus touches our lives. He saves us. This is not a metaphor. But it's a transformation that changes us. And it can touch every part of us. That's the power of salvation. You know, the Greek word for salvation is sozo. And that word means to rescue, to set free, or deliver, and to heal. This is the mighty gift that we've been given in Jesus. And the transformation that it doesn't just bring that we believe in Jesus and that we'll go to heaven one day. But my life is forever being changed because of Jesus. Faith changes everything greater than. This is about the faith that changes everything. So I want to talk to you about a faith attitude. Let's go to the next slide. And this faith attitude is the faith attitude of greater things and the attitude to ask in his name. And I love reading this scripture to kids because this scripture actually blows my mind. Jesus said we would do greater things and to ask in his name. This comes from John 14 and all of the scriptures that are are put up are in the New Living Translation. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Okay, this is a bit nuts. But I asked the kids at youth group in Assiniboia on Friday, what were some of the works Jesus did? And they're like, well, they raised La- he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he turned, like he multiplied food to feed huge crowds. And, and we go, the same works that Jesus did we're going to do? And greater works? And yet Jesus said this. And he meant it when he said this. You know, and some people, they they go through this strain of faith because they're like, how do I see a miracle happen? You can't make a miracle happen. You can't make a healing happen. You can't make these things happen. God does that. The Holy Spirit does that. But his intention is that he will do that in and through his people. The miraculous Uh, When Joe came up and talked about voltage, he was testifying about how there was miracles that were happening to bring it together. And there's we see that happen. And so you know, sometimes we like, oh, we have faith that you know, when when a whole bunch of Christians get together, something good's going to happen. And it's true. But there's even greater things, greater things that God wants to do, and He will keep doing them as we look to Him. I tell you the truth: anyone who believes in me and will do the same works I have done. And even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus is basically saying, the job's not done. I have to go and be with my Father now. And you, all of you, need to continue the work that I have begun. 
and there's greater works that still need to happen. That's incredible that we as God's people, we as the church, get to be part of those greater works. You can ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So, Jesus, I really, really would love to have a Bugatti. (laughs) But notice he said, ask in my name. And I will do it. This isn't about me in my name asking Jesus to give me what I want. But this is about me coming in Jesus' name, asking him to give me what he wants. And when I center my heart and my focus on the will of the Father, when I center my heart and focus on the will of Jesus, and then I begin to ask in faith, It's amazing how quickly God responds to his kids when they ask in faith, when we ask in his name. I love the fact that without fear or shame, we can come boldly before the throne of grace at any time, in a time of need, even before we recognize that we're in a time of need. We can come and ask in Jesus' name. Because he's already gone before us with his very own blood. And he said the debt for all of the sin, for all of the wrong, for all of the hatred, for all of the prejudice, for all of the warring and the pillaging and the raping that's happening in this world, the debt is paid on the cross. And we can walk free from the power of sin that destroys into a new life because of Jesus. You know, every time something new happens in the world, or maybe it's not that new, it's old, but everything, something new happens and our generation sees it, sometimes we go, how is God going to handle this? Like, how is God going to handle COVID? Can God heal COVID? Can God heal cancer? Yes, 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 he can. I've seen it. I've seen him heal people of COVID. I've seen him heal people of cancer. God can do it. And he wants to. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father... Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So there's four kind of people that I'm going to talk about today. These are people who have a faith attitude that's a greater than attitude. So the first group I'm going to talk about are the inheritors. So we're reading from 1 Peter in uh, chapter 1, in verse 3. And down to five. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance. It's an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled 
beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation which is ready to be revealed on that last day for all to see. This is pretty incredible because if you've ever received an inheritance or even a pre-inheritance, my grandpa decided to give kids out to the, uh, money out to the grandkids before he passed away, quite a few years actually. And I, I got a thousand bucks when I was 16 and I was able to go and to a car auction and I got myself a nice first car as, as an inheritance from my grandpa, which was pretty special. We're given an inheritance that it is priceless, it's pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. So as believers, we have access to this inheritance so that we can use it for what's needed. And so we're familiar with our debit and credit cards. Think of your inheritance like a debit card to that account, the account of heaven, which is a priceless inheritance. And when you need something, you have the ability to tap in to what God has for you and experience the power of that inheritance. Do you need faith? Tap in. Do you need healing? Tap in. Do you need strength and encouragement from the Lord? Tap in. Are you feeling lonely? Tap in. Because you are never alone. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. We have an undefiled inheritance. Our economy is challenged. Inflation is high. We have all kinds of problems in Canada right now. And it's like, oh no, here we go again. But this inheritance that we have from Jesus is undefiled. It does not weaken. It does not become less. It's a sure thing. So tap in. Through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So I get the impression as I'm reading that verse that we won't see the fullness of the inheritance until that final day, but we certainly have access to it. And let's tap into it. Our salvation, we know that it's secure if we've put our faith in Jesus. Our salvation, we know that it's working to transform us to become like Jesus. So let's let it. But one day, Jesus is coming back and every one of us who has put our faith in him will be changed and transformed eternally, even in our physical body and being. It's powerful. We will be like him. We're co-heirs, not subsidiary heirs. Not like when they win a big lawsuit and then they send out those things about if your credit card was used during these years. Did you guys get that in the mail? You know, you might be able to send something and you might get five cents. I don't know what it's worth. Not like that. But we're co-heirs with Jesus. We get full access to the inheritance. Not those binge, spend it, and waste it. But it's for our needs and for his purpose and for his glory. 
So tap into that inheritance. Ephesians 1.11 says, Because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. So the key is that we walk in unity with Jesus, and we can walk in that inheritance. You are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You are seated with him in heavenly places, according to Ephesians. You're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And sometimes we feel like we're stuck in some very earthy places. But we, in our spirit, are right there with Jesus. Amazing. Don't squander that inheritance. This is part of the greater than faith, the greater than faith that we have. So the second group I want to talk to you about are the harvesters. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I'm reading from Matthew 9, 36 to 38. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. I think when we realize that we have this inheritance, God is also asking, you're going to come and work the farm? Because this can get better. This can get better. There's more people. There's more people who can be part of this. There's more people who need that good news. There's more people who need to be set free. There's more people who need to be rescued. There's more people who need to be healed. And so God's asking, will you labor in that harvest? And will you pray for laborers in that harvest? The scope of our world needs to be bigger than me, myself, and I. Or me, myself, and those friends that I like sometimes. But the scope of our world needs to be massive and see people the way Jesus sees them and love them the way he loves them. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. And yes, we should demonstrate the gospel in all that we do. But the gospel requires words. People need to hear the good news. They will not osmose it. They will not assimilate it. They need to know that Jesus loves them. They need to know that Jesus forgives them for their sin. They need to know that they must put their trust and faith in him to be saved. The third group of people I'm going to talk to you about are the overcomers. Because as believers... We're not perfect. We know this. We make mistakes. We sometimes make decisions based out of fear instead of faith. Sometimes we do things that aren't very Christ-like. We say things or act in ways that aren't Christ-like. Sometimes we have issues with sin in our life that it seems like it's taking forever for God to take care of. And we come to him over and over and over about those things. Don't give up. 
Don't give up. God will be faithful with his promises in your life. But there's something powerful about these overcomers. John had a revelation of Jesus in his book. He wrote about this revelation. So in Revelations, well, I forgot to put the chapter. It's in the book of Revelations. I don't think I'll be excommunicated for this. So anyone can tell me which chapter it is. That would be great. It's in the middle. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heaven. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. Satan lost his standing to be able to stand in the courts of heaven accusing us because Jesus defeated him at Calvary and he trampled him when he came out of the grave. And Satan, who works so hard to destroy us by the power of accusation, was defeated and thrown down. Francis Frangipane has a book where he talks about the place of immunity And sometimes Christians are feeling so beaten up by shame or guilt for mistakes they've made or for things that people have told them about themselves that we don't have the ability to see past all of those negative things and words around us. And instead of seeing Jesus and seeing his love, we have this picture of God like an angry person with a stick about to strike us. That's not God. That's not his heart. Yes, God is wrathful against sin. And yes, he's angry about sin because it destroys and it kills and it separates people from him. So, of course, he's angry that the fact that the very ones he loved are being marred and destroyed and pulled away by Satan and his power. But he let Jesus take that beating for us. And it broke the power of the accuser. We do not have condemnation. There is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus has changed us. Our identity is now in him. And God has accepted Jesus. And so he has accepted you into the beloved. If you have your faith in him. The accuser was thrown down. And this is how they defeated him. Not how Jesus defeated him, but how the believers defeated him. They have defeated the accuser. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Our victory is the cross. Our victory is the blood of Jesus. But our overcoming of these things is when we testify that this is where our identity lies now. And when we continue to speak out 
those things that Jesus says about us, and we, in faith and agreement, speak those things out. He changes and transforms our heart. And when our heart is changed, our behaviors and our actions change. And we become overcomers. And there's things that we sometimes try to hold on to because we're like, oh, it's going to cost me a bit too much, my reputation. Oh, the shame. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I talk to the neighbor about Jesus. Like, they might feel bad because they might think that I'm too holy. They probably already think that. Get over it. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And can we cross the street to talk to someone about Jesus? Can we get over ourselves to go and say, could you please forgive me because I failed here? Can we get over our grudges and go to our family members that we have ought against and say, can we mend this? Can we put this behind us in Jesus' name? They didn't love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So maybe we could die a little bit inside so that we could be more like Jesus. Maybe we could let go of a little bit of that pride or that shame or whatever it is that's stopping us from letting Jesus out. Let him out. Let him out. Let him shine in you. Oh, I can't go to youth group. I've got this video game I want to play so badly. Die a little bit. It's okay. You can play it later. Or maybe you don't need to play it at all. I, I want to go talk about Jesus, but I'm just so engrossed in this. Facebook thing. I'm so engrossed in this TikTok. You got to let it go, guys. What's most important? What's most important? What's most important? Is this most important? Will this save your life? Will this deliver you? Will this heal you? Probably it's infusing us with a little more toxins than we need. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. There is something powerful about when someone gets up and they tell people about how Jesus changed their life. Because when they tell that story, it only strengthens inside of them their faith about what God has done. But when they tell that story, it also gives people an opportunity to imagine that if God did it for them, he could do it for me too. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. The fourth group of people and the final one I'm going to talk about are the burning ones. John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus, and it actually took John a revelation from God to realize who Jesus was. He knew that he was called to be a forerunner. He still didn't know that it was Jesus until Jesus appeared before him to be baptized. 
John said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The thing about fire is it not only warms us, but it consumes. Fire is an incredible chemical reaction. It changes the nature of something into energy and ash. When the fire of God comes into us, the very power of God begins to go in the direction where he wants his work to happen. The very flow, it's like electricity. We control the flow of the electricity through our wires and systems, and then every once in a while there's a solar flare, or there's a storm, or something happens, and there's a surge, and we're like, something bad happened with that electricity. But God has his power working in and through us, and he has an incredible circuit of his power, and it's the Holy Spirit connected to us that is a conduit, and we're the conduit, and the power comes through us, and it touches other people. Will you let the fire of God into your life? Because when the fire of God comes, it will convert things in your life into a holy energy. But there will also be things that burn and become ash. But it's good. It's good. Acts 2, 3-4, this was the fulfillment of what Um, John prophesied about. So all the believers were gathered together. They were following Jesus' instructions. He had told them, wait in Jerusalem. He said, wait until power comes from on high. Before you start the job, I've asked you to do wait. And so they waited for 10 days. Even though 500 people saw him resurrected from the dead, only 120 people were left waiting when the Holy Spirit showed up. This is what it looked like when the Holy Spirit showed up. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so when the Holy Spirit showed up the first time, there was a manifestation of fire. They saw these flames of fire. There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind that came into the room. And then they began to show that power that changed their life. And they began to speak. They were magnifying and glorifying God in other people's languages. Other people recognized what was happening. We call this the gift of tongues. And it has a few different ways that it expresses itself. It's a gift that helps to encourage us in our most holy faith. It's a gift that proclaims God for his goodness, for his, great, for his greatness, for his magnificence. It is a gift that helps us to recognize God's power is on our life and that he is preparing us for a life of witness. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness. Sometimes we're like, I can't do it. I try, it doesn't work. When the Holy Spirit power comes on you, you will be a witness. When you tell people about how God touched your life and changed it, that is a witness and testimony for Jesus. If you have seen God answer a prayer and you share that story with someone else, 
because you are building your own faith through testimony as well as touching someone else's faith with your testimony. That is a witness for Jesus. When you talk about God's provision miraculously in your life or how he has protected you divinely and you give testimony to Jesus, that is our witness. All of us are capable of doing these things. When he has filled you, you will be a witness, telling people about him everywhere. Acts 1.8. And so I want to encourage you, God wants to come and move in your life and fill you with his fire. Because when Jesus came to save us, he came so that we would experience that sozo power of him, that we would be rescued, that we would be set free from bondage, that we would be healed so that other people could see how good and awesome God is and we could invite them to be part of that. The power of God is greater than entropy and the laws of thermodynamics. Now, God created these laws as part of this natural world and the decay that comes because of sin. But he created them not for eternity. These are temporal laws. And his power is greater. He has the right to override them as needed. The power of God is greater than decay. It's greater than disease. It's greater than sin. It's greater than death. His power is greater than doubt and negativity. His power is greater than inertia. You know, sometimes we think my life is stuck. It's not moving forward. When you tap into the power of God, you will begin to move. When you tap into his power, you will begin to move. So I'm going to close just by reading our opening text from John 14. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. We're going to be closing in a worship song, and um, thank you, Pastor Kurt, for coming up here. Um, after we've closed off, if you want prayer, I'm just going to invite the leaders of the church, and Val and I are going to be here. We want to pray with you. And just see what God can do to move things forward in your life so that you can step into the faith that God has given to you so freely. Freely you have received. Freely be prepared to give because God wants to use us to reach this world through his name. Thank you for having me. God bless. I'm just going to close with a prayer here. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would take the words that were spoken today and Lord, inspire us to move forward by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that if there's something that has felt stuck or bound, Lord, that it would be loosed now in Jesus' name. I thank you that your word brings life and it brings light and it brings freedom. And so, Lord, I pray that we would walk in a freedom of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that enables us to do the task you have asked of us. May we be your witnesses. Empowered by your Holy Spirit, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.